Welcome to the 100 Club Podcast, a show designed to elevate the game of senior living sales and marketing leaders. I'm your co-host, Michael Moy, and with me is Corey Mitchell. We're talking to leaders from all different positions and titles, giving you and your team a competitive edge to reach 100% occupancy. You're listening to season one. Let's get into it. Welcome to the 100 Club Podcast. I'm your co-host, Michael Moy, and along with me, as always, is Corey Mitchell. And we have an awesome guest, a friend, an industry partner, Evan Freakin, who is the head of uh, business development at a company called Rubric. And if you've never heard of them, definitely go look them up, uh, especially you'll want to after this conversation. But Evan's a good friend, and uh, we have... Uh, a lot of fun conversations, talk mainly about sports and uh, talk about how um, he is sharing about Rudy not being a, a great individual, which blew my mind from Rudy, uh, <laughs> the, the movie, which it, it kind of shattered, uh, shattered my mind and makes me never want to watch or be an Irish football fan again. So thanks for that, Evan. Welcome to the show. Yeah, welcome to the show, Evan. Tell us the story. How, how did you meet him? Just, I'm super curious. How, how'd you meet uh, him? Yeah, so I met him. He was a keynote speaker at a conference in a former career that I was in. And uh, I just remember going up to talk to the guy. And uh, that saying, never meet your heroes, like really resonated with me right there. Um, I... <laughs> I was very underwhelmed. <laughs> I was, uh, and then I've met a few other people that have also met him when I've shared this experience and they were like, yeah, we, we heard the success kind of went to his head. Uh, and that's kind of where we left it. <laughs> so uh, I'm sure the guy was and may still be a great guy when he's not public facing. Um, maybe he just doesn't do well in crowds. Yeah, and Rudy, probably would want to be a keynote speaker in that case. But. Rudy, if you're listening to this, and <laughs> Lord knows why you'd be listening to this podcast, <laughs> but uh, you have a chance for redemption. If you want to come on and really tell how people you, people you've changed, feel free to jump on. We're happy to give it you a you know 15 minute <laughs> blurb. But dude, we're we're so we're so pumped to have you on the the show. Um, if you don't mind, kind of just setting the stage of you know, share us a little bit about Rubric, uh, a little bit maybe how you got into the industry and we can take the conversation from there. Yeah, happy to happy to share that. So I I am not from the industry. I did that, hence the reason that I met Rudy. I was in the finance industry prior, realized I really enjoyed sales, hated finance. Um, and so started working with uh, technology companies and building sales teams and, and kind of getting getting some traction there and was introduced to Nate O'Keefe, who's the founder of Rubric, uh, through a mutual friend of ours and uh, had a few conversations with him. And one of the main things that I've always been passionate about is whatever I'm selling has to help people. Um, that's a pretty broad uh, phrase. I mean, it can, it can really mean anything. Uh, so when I was initially looking into rubric, I, I never even thought of senior housing. I did volunteer at a few senior living communities in the past, um, back in like middle school and high school. Um, but that was about the extent of my experience with it. Um, and then after talking to Nate and kind of learning about the mission of rubric, um, it, it really drew me into, okay, this is, this is something that I can be a part of where it's not me helping individuals on a one-off. I'm able to help families 
and individuals at scale, uh, thousands and thousands of people a month. And if we continue to do our job, that number is only going to continue to increase. Um, and so kind of leading into what exactly is, is rubric is at our core, our mission is to help families and people who have to undergo highly complex emotional decisions that are sometimes medical, but usually have guilt associated with them, uh, make a decision sooner. And so what we found was that, and this is a senior living podcast. So for senior living specifically, which is the industry that we are in, what we found is that the recourse that people have is they tend to go to Google and they start looking up senior living, whatever, cost of senior living. What is senior living? Is senior living right for me? Who, who knows? God only knows what they put in Google. And we all know what happens when you Google anything emotional and you're trying to make a decision. You get that WebMD effect where you get three clicks in. Next thing you know, it is blown so out of proportion that it's a wonder anybody's able to make that decision. And mm -hmm. so we figure, well, what if there was a way that there was a tool that instead of allowing the prospect or the person that's looking to senior living uh, to figure out their, like figure out what questions they should be asking, um, instead, uh, oh, what the hell is happening? <laughs> I think I think I see a ladder in the background here. Dude, you do see a ladder with all those people. Yeah. <laughs> you're you're going going nuts. Uh, Contractors are back. I apologize. Yeah, we uh we love it when contractors show up on time. Yeah, so and we're gonna we're gonna migrate. Yeah. So that's you getting your house back. <laughs> So how often does that happen for you so, guys? Uh, honestly, I think we're keeping this in the podcast because this is hilarious. And um, yeah, I bet yeah. much every show great. something happens. Pretty much every show something. Oh really? Happens. That's that's wonderful. Off key happens. Like I couldn't even get the right music <laughs> to start today. So <laughs> yeah, that was great. I have no idea what I was saying. Now you get your house. How often do contractors show up when they say they're going to show up? Typically, I expect them to be an hour late. Definitely, yeah, never. at least, at least. Are, are, what are you doing? Are you getting your house painted? What are you getting done? No, so we uh, had to get some siding replaced, and uh, Exciting. it was by that window, if you guys couldn't tell. <laughs> yeah, oh, that's, a, that's perfect timing. So, uh, so WebMD, uh, when people yeah, are falling yeah. off ladders, they go to WebMD. Correct. Uh, and so when you, when, you got a, when you got a sore foot after you fall off a ladder <laughs> and you go to WebMD and start like Googling in like... Do I weird, need senior living? <laughs> weird black and blue mark around my ankle. Next thing you know, you're going to find out you've got cancer and you actually have to remove not just the ankle, you have to remove the entire leg. Mm, um, but when you extrapolate that out and, and think about just like a life decision, like senior housing, the decision to uproot your entire life and go to a new community, God only knows what you come up with. <laughs> you get reviews that are not good. You get, because the, the loudest voices are the, are the ones that have a negative experience. And so the goal with our tools is basically, well, what if there was a way we could ask a series of questions that were carefully curated that use the concepts of motivational interviewing to help these folks understand more about what it is that they're looking into, more about their situation, highlighting what their values and preferences are, and then ultimately illuminating the path ahead, mm -hmm. allowing them to know, okay, well, you might not be looking for memory care, which is what you are familiar with, or you might not be looking for a nursing home. Mm 
But based on what you told us, you can actually satisfy your needs with independent living or assisted living and kind of just steering them in the right direction, but giving them the power to feel as though they're in control of this decision. Um, but just giving them guidance and education, motivating and then empowering, empowering them along the way. Um, so that's basically what we've been building uh, over the past several years and have been working with the industry to just continue to get it out there and get people through it and help them make uh, more informed, better decisions sooner. So Evan, so how do you guys get in front of the customer? Are you on company websites or are you on your, like how do customers find you? And then is it a questionnaire that they're filling out? Kind of explain in detail how that works. Yeah. So originally when we, when we had started looking, we were trying to figure out, okay, how can we exactly that question? How do we get in front of the people that are going to benefit the most from our tool? What we found was we needed to partner with the organizations that were already doing it. Um, and that's senior living providers, senior care agencies. So that would be like, it could be home care agencies. It could be senior living providers. So active adult all the way through skilled nursing. Um, it is, it, it morphed into a sales and marketing tool it was the, I think what's so great about it is we never, when we created this, never even thought of it as being a sales marketing tool, but what's great is really great resources end up being phenomenal marketing tools. Can you talk um, about why it's a great sales and marketing tool? Like, can you dive into that? Like what happened for you guys to realize like, Oh, this should be used for sales and marketing. Yeah, we, we had really thought about, okay, since, since providers are talking to these families day in and day out. And what we have found is that families do tend to go to the provider's websites first before they start going to Google. And the reason being is because they drive by it every day. They see it. They have heard about it. And so they're like, oh, well, wonder what they've got that can help. They might not be in the frame of mind to say, hey, I'm ready to talk to a salesperson yet, but they may be in the frame of mind to say, hey, I'll answer a few questions, figure out if it's the right time. Um, then they'll go through the series of questions that we have. And oftentimes through those, just the act of answering those questions in the comfort of their own home with no pressure from a salesperson, they have kind of gotten themselves to the point where they're like, you know what, actually, maybe it does make sense for me to have a further conversation. Um, and so, yeah, there's always going to be the people that come to the website and fill out a contact form. But then there's another group of people who are like, I'm not talking to a salesperson yet. I don't even know if I'm ready. And then what we found is that after they go through it, about 20 to 40% of the people who complete it will say, Hey, you know what? I want to, I want to talk to somebody. Um, and so a lot of people will go through it and change their mind just by answering a few questions. And we have not given them any resources yet. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So you, we, when we were talking offline, you were talking about pretty staggering statistics on like people wanting to go through these assessments and then after the assessment's done, then they, then they have the willingness or the desire to then pick up the phone and do that. But what was that stat that you mentioned prior uh, to our conversation? Something like 80%. Oh, with the pricing. Yeah. So um, there's, so there's a few stats to really make sure that this, this number really clicks. And so first one is what I had already mentioned, 20 to 40% of the people who complete the tool will say that they want to talk to somebody mm -hmm. prior to ever seeing the report that is generated at the end. So we have given them nothing yet and they have changed their mind and said, yes, talk to somebody. Uh, only 2% of the total opt-ins that we would see across the board within our tool happened 
on the results page. So that's where we're coming back with the recommendations. That's where we're coming back with what does this care needs score look like? That's where we're coming back with resources that they can utilize in all different stages of this decision. Um, and so that only 2% is, is surprisingly low. You would mm -hmm. think, and, and marketers tend to think, okay, it's the resources that are going to be what moves them forward in it. Not maybe few, but not a whole lot. It's actually going to be what we found was we actually changed the, we're in the process of testing this, where we surfaced up a, basically a post-assessment survey for the people who said, no, I'm not ready to talk to somebody yet and are on the results page of our tool. And we asked, hey, why don't you want to talk to somebody? 81% said they didn't know what it cost and they didn't know how to pay for it. Mm. So for the marketing teams and for the sales teams, what how do you make that actionable is know that there are a lot of people out there that may be interested, but are hesitant to move forward because of the uncertainty of some thing in the potential future. And I made that super vague because it's not just finance. Mm -hmm. It's uncertainty about what is the sales process going to look like for me? Uncertainty about how do I even downsize my life? Uncertainty about it could be anything. It, who knows? It, and who am I to say what that uncertainty is that's going to hold somebody back? But that it's the uncertainty that is that is really, really important. So if I were a salesperson, I would try to figure out what that uncertainty is so that you can speak to it and kind of, again, come back to the medical decision aids playbook, which is illuminate the path ahead um, so that you're you're eliminating those barriers. Yeah, right. We, we know the old saying, confused buyers don't don't buy. Um, yep. So I'm curious with the assessment that you guys do, does it help? Like, do you come up with a level of care and then that helps with the pricing? Because I see a lot on tours, especially at places that are level of care. What happens is the family likes the community and then it's like comes down to talking about pricing. Okay, here's our base rate, $3,000 for the room. And then depending on what level of care mom or dad is, it starts at this and goes up. And then it's like, well, we have to do the assessment to find out what that level of care. So they can't even give them the exact price right then and there. Like based off of what you said, she's probably around a level one or two, but you don't really know for sure until you get that assessment done. So it's just making another step. So you guys do that assessment. So you kind of give that level of care what you guys recommend, and then they would know the pricing. Is is that what you're seeing helps them know exactly what the price is going to be? Yes or no? I, so I, I truly believe that I, I think starting out rates are always good. Um, and if you really take a step back and think, what is this prospect really want when they're asking for pricing that early in the process? I think everybody knows that what they see on a website is probably not actually what it's going to end up being unless they're buying a commodity. Mm -hmm. Like if, if, if I'm going out and I see like Carvana is great because like a car is a car, like it is what it is. But senior living, there's all these add-on features that come along with it that is impossible to put on a website. But that price transparency, what they're really looking for is, can I realistically afford this? That's all they're trying to figure out. And or they're asking themselves, can I realistically see an easy way for me to get the answer to my financial questions? And so it's not just give them pricing. It's also give them a clear path to get the pricing. So coming back to the data that we gathered was we changed the, the button or the, the question on the results page from speak to an expert at XYZ Senior Living to um, get pricing now from XYZ Senior Living. Just the promise that they're going to receive that pricing causes 7 to 8% more people to say, hey, you know what? I actually do want to talk to them. Um, so it's not necessarily giving them pricing, but it's, again, 
showing them the path of here's what's going to happen just because you've asked for it. Um, is So I guess I'm going to pull it back from, hey, let's not get granular around the pricing because we all know in sales, if you're anchored around pricing, you're having the wrong conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, but there is a really big roadblock that people need to get over. And it's not what exactly will this cost me? It's what's the range? What can I expect? Are you seeing more and more people? I mean, from the people that you're working with, are you seeing more and more providers being adept to putting pricing into that type of information as, you know, because I, I feel like we continue to talk about it and I have not been able to, like, I, I wouldn't be able to, to say one way or another, but have you seen that change? Yeah, I, I'm, I'm seeing more and more um, put it, starting at rates, maybe not on all the communities, but some of them. And I always ask when they're doing it, especially mm-hmm. if they're doing it on some and not others. I always ask, um, what effects are you seeing between the two? So what's different? Um, one of them, I was having a conversation last week with a provider that's got about 50 communities or so, and ha- about half of their portfolio has starting at rates. Mm-hmm. The other half doesn't. And so I asked, I said, do you, do you seem like you get uh, less complaints about the quality of the leads from a financial standpoint that are coming in the front door? And she said, actually, no, they still complain. Um, that's a different conversation for a different day. <laughs> Um, but I always come back to is, is allowing a prospect to self-select out because they can't afford the starting at rate. Is that really a bad thing? I mean, no, I, I wouldn't say so. I think you're actually doing everybody a service. Um, they're not wasting their time talking to you to find out that it's way above their price range. And you haven't just set this unrealistic expectation when they're on a tour, they're like, wow, this place is beautiful. Then you find out that they can't afford it. So the one that you have to go look at is the one down the street, tap the cost. Mm-hmm. Now that they're going from like, Oh, this place is amazing. It's like going from a Mercedes to a Toyota. Sorry for anybody that drives Toyotas. Um, <laughs> but uh, it, it's like getting out of a Mercedes going directly into like a standard car and you're like, oh, this is nearly as nice. And now they're not happy. Now they start going and saying, I really hate this place because I'm comparing it to the place that I saw first. So I think it creates this, and I'm extrapolating here, but I think it creates this dynamic where people are all, they're starting off on the wrong foot and they already have a bad experience because they were misled. Whether you meant to do it or not, who knows? But it, you can see very quickly how it can go that way. Yeah. That's why I, I took my wife directly to the Toyota dealership instead of the Mercedes. I didn't, I didn't <laughs> want to give her like, fuck. We, we love our Toyota RAV4, but yeah, I mean, the Mercedes, uh, maybe, maybe in a different life, you know? Uh, but I, I thought what was interesting was the, uh, when our, we were talking before this, just you get the, you get the bird's eye lens at the customer journey, Right. The, the customer journey is so much more nuanced than just, you know, drive them, drive them to a tour or provide them the resources. You touched on it a little bit. Like I, I'm a firm believer that a person that goes to the website should have all the resources possible to make a, an informed decision, but maybe talk to the, to the sales director and try to, to speak into, Hey, listen, it's, it's not a narrow customer journey. It's more nuanced and more uh, complex than you, you may think. And so kind of touch on that. Cause I thought it was really interesting. Yeah. I, uh, this, this idea came back from a conversation that I was having with Jody Roberts at senior services of America and her, the, the comment that she made that stuck with me is there's, there's no shopping cart in senior living. Um, and so I, I guess 
from a sales director standpoint, again, take everything I say with a grain of salt because I've never sold senior living. Um, but I do get to talk to a lot of people that have, mm-hmm. and I get to see kind of what is that, that buyer's journey for these prospects prior to them coming in the front door. We've all heard the saying that it takes on average seven touches to get them in for a tour or to close a sale. I think that's seven touches that we've been able to track. Uh, I actually think it is a lot more than that. Mm-hmm. And it's starting way earlier in the process than anyone even thinks. Um, and so there are all of these things and, and just know that the first time you talk to them as a sales director is probably not the first time that they've ever considered you. Mm. It's probably come across their mind multiple times, many times before they may have even gotten to the point where they were about to schedule a tour with your community or another community down the road and something occurred and they said, you know what, Never mind, I don't want to do this. They step back out of the process. Mm. So the way I kind of think about this buyer journey is think of it like, like a highway with all these on ramps and off ramps. Um, and so as a marketing and marketing director and as a sales director, it's your job to provide the signs along the way to let them know, Hey, you're still headed in the right direction, but also let them know that, Hey, if you want to step off, that's fine because we're giving you a GPS to allow you to take control of how fast you move down this highway and how, uh, what on-ramps and off-ramps you get on and off at. Understand that very rarely does somebody start at the beginning of the highway and end up at the end of the highway without taking an on-ramp or an Mm off-ramp. You need to give them the ability and and allow them the perception of being in control of this decision because at the end of the day, they are. They can end your sales process like that. Mm-hmm. And so your job there is to, again, be, listen to them, understand, okay, what is it that you're ultimately trying to avoid? Are you trying to avoid the tolls? Are you trying to avoid any, any road work? What does that look like? Let me help you figure out the easiest way to get you from point A to point B and reroute along the way if needed. Um, and so a lot of it, the GPS does not tell me what to do, whether Waze thinks she does or not. I make the decisions. Yeah. So there are times I'm driving up to the Northeast and I'm like, no, no, no. I'm going to try going through DC because I know the time should have listened to ways, but I still got there because I was given the resources and the other pieces of information to help me kind of make a decision. I may make the wrong one. That's okay. Humans make wrong decisions. Um, But at the end of the day, we're all, they're all heading towards the same path. And so we just have to really focus on making sure the education is there. So at the, at the end of the day, what is it that rubric really like what problem do you guys solve at, at your core? Is it just the customer journey? Like, I guess you could dive into that. My question is, you know, at your core, why should anyone care about Rubik? What are you guys really solving? That was a problem that you all solved there. So there's, there's two problems and I'm going to give you two answers based on two different pers- perspectives. And the first answer is not going to be that sales and marketing solution. It is, it is solely how do we help more people become more educated about their current situation, what's important to them, and what paths they have available. So to allow them and provide them with the right re- resources to take an educated, informed next step. Mm-hmm. At, at our core, you pull everything else back. That is what we're trying to do. And we're trying to help people make better decisions sooner. And how do you guys um, do that by the, by the questionnaire? Sorry, I didn't mean to uh, interrupt you. Yeah, you by, by asking the right questions. I mean, you think about a sales position, how do you get somebody to ultimately move in? It's not by telling them that you need to move in. It's by asking them the right questions. You need They will not come to a decision unless you give them the opportunity to think through it without any pressure 
And it's hard because we were talking earlier about that dynamic between the salesperson and the prospect. And prospects will always he hesitate to provide all of the information back or they're scared to interact because of that salesperson prospect dynamic. I'm scared of what I tell that salesperson. They may use it against me. Um, whether it's spoken or not, we all know that that happens. So what's happening with our, with our tool is we're taking that, that salesperson, digitizing it, allowing this prospect to go through it and learn about the situation in the comfort of their own home at the time they want. They can go through it at the pace they'd like. There's no pressure. Nobody's checking in on them. And so they're able to move through this process in their own pace at their own speed. Um, and so that's at our core, that is the main problem that we are trying to solve is how do we get more people to seek out the help that they need and get them to take a next step on the sales and marketing side, because that's who the audience is. That's listening to this. It is how do we keep more people on your website, allowing your brand being the one that gets them the answers and getting more people that you spend so much time and effort to get to your website in the first place, to convert on your site as opposed to converting on a third-party site. Um, I'd rather have them convert to a lead for your sales teams to work and only your sales to work, the sales teams to work on your site as opposed to them falling back to Google and start typing in senior living near me because we all know it shows up and I do not want them in that process yeah. uh, because that is a great way to shut them down and then they come back, coming back to that first part. That is a great way for them to not take a next step because it's so overwhelming. Uh, so those are the two problems that we try to solve. That's great. So you're talking to marketing directors, you know, VP marketing, uh, VP of sales and marketing, all of that good stuff. And so have you, cause you touched on it earlier, the, the, the need to catch people where they're at and how they want to buy. I think that's so crucial, but what you're finding is that, and I, I, I think this too, I mean, you talk to any family member that's looking for their, their loved ones. I mean, I'm currently having with my family as they're having these conversations. We've had these conversations for the past couple of years. And so I guarantee you, my parents, the adult children have made this research and, and done a lot of that. And we still may not make a decision for another year. So how are you, like, I guess, what type of insight or what type of conversations are happening between the marketing departments on trying to capture that information five, 10 years? And, you know, I know that's kind of putting you on the spot, uh, but how are people trying to catch, catch leads or catch families where my family currently is right now? Yeah, I, I hear a lot of different things. So, um, and again, everything I'm giving you is through the lens of rubric and it is a very narrow lens, but I think there is a, there's a value that comes with somebody that's looking at such a narrow scope, um, and the way that it's being used. So I, I know a lot of our clients are using, they're creating QR codes. Mm. Young families do tend to know how QR codes work. Yeah. Um, they are sending mailers that may not be specific to, hey, come tour our community. It may be questions like, is it the right time to downsize? Mm. And then they scan the QR code and then we, they're going to direct to our, is it the right time to downsize assessment, which is going to gather uh, start asking those questions about lifestyle. What's important to you? What are you looking for in a potential next home? You may not even be considering it. That's fine. Mm -hmm. uh, but here's some resources that you can use to kind of help you move forward in this. So how do we downsize your life? Things like that. So using a different type of question to that, that somebody that's earlier on in the process may be more open to engaging with is really helpful in that instance. Mm -hmm. So words matter. 
it, um, I think too often people assume that, especially in a needs-based decision like senior living, it become, and I put it in air quotes because I think there we're, I'm watching the industry move closer and closer to this, this once based mm-hmm. where it is, they're trying to get those people that are like your family that are earlier on that if we can get them in the door and in, at least engaging in a conversation, we can begin exposing them to here's what this is actually like. Um, and we need, we can't do that through questions like, is it time to get help or the traditional, uh, what they think of as senior living. We can't use those words, but we also are in this kind of catch 22 or we have to use those words because that's what they relate to you. Mm-hmm. So now we have to get them in to start the conversation, but then ultimately kind of coach them through and help them understand that it's actually not what it is. That's just how we got your attention. Um, yeah. Yeah, that's that's good. Um, sorry, Corey, for for interrupting you there, but I there's good. the comment in you can ask your question after I say this, but I just it came to my mind where it almost feels like it needs to be a mentality shift where we've been doing this for the past 40 years and we've we've almost seen ourselves as just just strictly needs-based. So those are the words that we're gonna say is, you know, is it time, you know, talk about, you know, best approaches to somebody with you know impaired memory loss or different forms of, of dementia. So so treating it like, okay, well, we take a couple of different buckets where we can talk about that. Absolutely. And we can provide those resources, but let's act like, let's kind of stick out our chest a little bit and be like, yeah, we are, we're a once-based industry. Like this is a great place to, to live and to thrive and to stop talking about the reactionary. And let's talk about how we can, you know, get people excited about moving in. So it's almost like that mentality shift of like, this is what we are. We we're both. We are we are a place that people come to live independently and to pick up right where they left off, but to add in different types of uh, resources and, and you know lifestyles. But that's just I don't know. That's just kind of came to mind. I felt like I, I needed to share that. But Corey, you want to go ahead? Yeah, no, I agree 100% with you, Michael. I'm curious on to like with the report that you guys send at the end. So you're asking you're asking questions like. I'm imagining a family that's not sure if it's time for, to move mom or dad into a senior living. They don't really know anything about it. This is their first time going through it. Kind of walk us through how you guys determine, like what questions you ask to determine if they are ready for senior living. And then do you tell them like, okay, based off the answers that you gave, you're ready for assisted living. You're ready for memory care. You're ready for independent living. Or do you guys ever like, hey, maybe you're not ready yet. You're still a couple years away. Like, kind of walk me through that process, how you determine the report at the end to say, yes, you're ready for assisted living or not. Yeah. So high, high level, we, we will never tell somebody that they are not ready. Um, because at the end of the day, if you're living in a, in a home and you're living independently, guess what? Independent living really may be a good fit for you. Mm-hmm. If you just want to move because you want to be closer to the community, you're going to get a recommendation that independent living might be a good fit. Um, so we do it. We, so our questions are scored. So there's an algorithm built into the back end of our system that, depending on how they answer specific questions that we've asked, which we've built in partnership with a lot of clinical providers. So we're we're constantly making sure that we're asking the right questions in the right way, and we're very conscious about that. Um, and so there's a lot of just data 
performance metrics that we're tracking on the back end. So like we tweak a question and we see it affects drop off, we're probably going to change it again, where we're trying to ultimately end up getting more people to go through it, opt in and, and talk to somebody. Um, at the end, depending on how they've answered those questions, we're going to come back and say, hey, listen, based on what you've told us, you can probably satisfy your needs with any of these options. And it might come back with independent and assisted. It may come back with just independent. It may come back with assisted memory if they've answered any cognitive decline questions in a specific way or it may come back with skilled nursing and assisted or skilled nursing and memory. Um, once we start getting into the higher levels of care, we start to bracket where we're typically saying, hey, assisted memory or assisted in independent living or assisted in skilled. Um, because I'm only asking them 20 to 23 questions. There's no way that whatever they tell our system, we're going to be able to be prescriptive and we don't want to be prescriptive. We're trying to take the big wide world of nursing homes and, and get rid of that word altogether and point them in the right direction. Mm -hmm. So coming back to your point, Michael, of maybe we do lean into it the other way and say, hey, this is also a want space. I, I think part of that is correct. But if you take too much of a stand or a shift from, hey, this is needs-based to once-based and we start using words like active adult aging, that word, there is no context mm. in the audience's mind for what active adult aging is. And they're like, what on earth is that? So I know when I'm talking about 55 plus communities, sometimes they're, they're like, what is, what is that? You mean like the neighborhood that's down the street that is just for people that are older than 55? Mm. I'm like, well, no, they're active, active adult communities. They're like, well, what is that? I'm like, uh, basically picture an apartment complex for old people. <laughs> so there's this, and there's a great book that I'm a huge fan of that I would highly recommend everybody read on the science of like how to change people's minds. Um, Jonah Berger, he's a professor at Wharton, uh, wrote a book called Catalyst. Um, and this book is unbelievable. And it talks about how asking the right questions and doing the right things and setting up situations to help people kind of move through this, this decision-making process to get them to, to change their stance on something. He talks about the science and how that, like how that all actually works. And so a lot of that is applied to our tools specifically. Um, and the, he uses this analogy of picture, picture a decision. I'm coming back to football picture a decision as kind of like the, uh, basically the line of scrimmage. So where you're starting, you might have 10 yards and it can go 10 yards either way. You're never going to get somebody who's in one end zone to get to the other end zone like that. It's just not going to happen. They, they might move at 10 yards at a time and you have to slowly move them. And so when you think about senior living, it used to be nursing homes. And I'd say maybe what, 75% of the population still considers it senior, uh, nursing homes. It's a rough estimate. Mm -hmm. But you can't go from nursing homes to, hey, look at this beautiful, vibrant community. And this is what this is this is what you think of when you think nursing homes. It doesn't compute. Mm -hmm. it, there's there's a system overload. They're like, no, this isn't what I thought, and this can't be right. And they start going down this rabbit hole. And it becomes very hard for them to accept the new messaging that they're seeing. And so you have to slowly move the population to where you ultimately want them to go. And so a lot of it is incorporating some of the language that they may have used in the past, but also introducing new language. So they can start to tie the two together. Yeah, that's great. Um, I have a question. Where where do families find you guys? So if Michael's family or, or my mom's looking for, for my grandma and she's not really sure what to do, if she didn't have somebody like me to call that's in the industry and figure out everything, how would she be able to find you and, and take this questionnaire, do this assessment and find out what she should do? Do, you, do customers have to find you on certain companies' websites? Like, how do they find you guys? 
So if you're asking for a specific individual, I'm going to direct you to where you live, Matt. So Asha's where you live matters page. We are going to be right there and you, she can go through and take that if she'd like. Um, so if somebody's listening to this and is like, no, I don't really don't want to find it on behalf of a specific community. You can go to where Asha's where you live matters page. And it'll probably, I think, I believe it says, is it the right time for senior living? If you click that, you can go through it. You can get the report. You can go through, you can share that with anybody you'd like. 99% of the people who find our tool do tend to find it on a senior living provider's website. Um, so they go to the, they go to the website, they scroll down the page. They may not go to the contact form. They scroll down and then they see the question, is it time to get help? Is it the right time to downsize or is it the right time for senior living? They click that button and it starts them down the rubric journey. And then at the end gives them the opportunity if they want to, to talk to the provider. Okay. Uh, so that's typically how, how they're found. Let me play little devil, devil's advocate here. Why would, why would a company pay rubric to, to have you guys on their website? Isn't that what the sales director is for to do, to find out these questions, to ask these questions once a customer's already got to the website? Tell me kind of why somebody would use you instead of just, Hey, this is what our sales director is for to ask these questions. Yeah. Yeah. I, I love this question. Um, have, have you ever heard of a sales director say we get too many leads or the leads we're getting from the website aren't very qualified? where I can't reach the leads on the website. I'm just going to go out on a limb and assume nobody's yes. ever said that. Um, so there's two, two answers to your question. One, there, there are a lot of people that are on the websites that are not ready to have a conversation with the salesperson. And that's not fair. I think everybody should have a conversation with the salesperson because they are the number one resource that that prospect will ever need. But we understand that not everybody's ready for that yet. But some of those people may be willing to engage with an online tool where they are not feeling the pressure. So we're trying to extend the salesperson's job and digitize that person so that they can be having more conversations with people who maybe we're not ready to talk to a human. I'm not going to call them a salesperson. Maybe to talk to a human about this. Because there are going to be people that go through this that maybe haven't even talked to a family member about it. We see a lot of people going through this assessment for themselves at like 12 o'clock at night, which I know there's a lot of guilt wrapped up and they can't even talk to somebody because they don't know where to start. So this, this tool is allowing them to engage earlier, um, but then giving them every opportunity to say, Hey, do you, you sure you don't want to talk to somebody at the community? Because if, if you want to, we can send this report that you've just filled out over to the sales director. They will see it. You don't have to tell your story again. The sales director can see the report and then ask you specific questions about things you've already told us. You don't need to tell your story again, because as soon as you say, hey, you don't need to tell me what's going on again, that relieves all of this pressure that's building up on this person. 49% of the people who go through our assessment on senior living providers' websites are actually people looking for themselves. That metric blows people's minds, yeah. especially when you factor in that we are across IL, AL, memory care, and skilled. There are more people that are actively thinking about senior living for themselves that may not ever bring it up to the rest of the family. That number, when I tell some clients that, they're like, no, 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 that, that can't be right. Because mm -hmm. most of the people we see coming in are, are the adult child looking for their mom. That's fascinating. Yeah, mm -hmm. it's, it's way higher than I would think. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think it, you, you, rubric is playing a huge part of the customer journey and it's just providing a, a great resource for those that, uh, you know, 
we say this all the time, but people, some people don't like to talk to salespeople. Some people just like to, to peruse and gain as much, gain as many resources as possible. And I think that's what you guys are doing. But then additionally, uh, to like to bring it full circle for the sales directors that are using rubric i think it's important for them to really utilize if you have tools like this or if you have uh you know chatbots or things really take in that information and really use that to your advantage because i know that some people will see that and skim through it and maybe not really fully leverage the insights that they get and really help drive those conversations better and i think for me personally if i'm getting those if that, this is literally a platter, like it's, it's handing a great conversation on a platter for me. Now it's my job to really make sure that a, they feel heard before they even step inside the community, which is huge. Like, I think that's, it, it plays a huge role in a decision that maybe people don't think, don't take that as seriously as, as, as they should. But then now that you, you, you're, it's a built-in conversation. You're driving those conversations forward. I know your conversion rates are going to go up. And I know that you probably could sit here all day and talk about how rubric leads are, are converting at a, a higher clip, which I, I know that's, a, that's the case because you're giving them really good intel. Yeah. I, so so I, I want to take a step back and, and say that, yeah, I mean, yes, they have been through rubric and the answer to your question is rubric leads for what we're finding do tend to convert to move-ins at double the rate of other digital leads. But I don't want to say that that is a sole credit to rubric. Mm -hmm. That is just the fact that the marketing teams we work with are conscious of the fact that this customer journey is not linear. Yeah. So rubric just gets some of that credit mainly because we are the on-ramp and the off-ramp at multiple stages. It is not uncommon for us to see a single family take this tool multiple times. So they may take it, and I, I, I can, I'm thinking of one right now on the West Coast where there, was, there were multiple people that have, and this was not even by any interaction or engagement with the marketing teams that set this up to happen on purpose. This was just a person that started, filled out a contact form, uh, I think it was back in January, came back in mid-February, filled out rubric. So we did not generate that lead. Mm. There, there was a lot that went into it before we even came across them. PPC ads, landing pages, Google retargeting ads, um, all of the website design that went into it, SEO, making sure that they were the first thing that went up. There's all of this stuff that's happening before we ever even see them. They fill out a contact form. Great. The conversion worked perfectly. Sales salesperson had a hard time reaching them, still can reach them, tried them four times. Please, salespeople, call them more frequently than four times um, because it takes seven or eight to reach them, probably higher. Don't give up on them. Then this person never answered the sales phone calls, came back, went to the website, found our button, went through it, filled it out, then went through. Again, still was, was not ready to talk to a salesperson. That's mm. fine. He said, no, I'm not ready. Um, and then he came back a month and a half later, filled it out again, said, now I am ready. So now there were two reports. This guy's taken twice. Mm -hmm. And then he was ready to have that conversation with the salesperson. And so, it, it, again, it, it's not linear. He was, God only knows what was happening when he stepped aside. Mm -hmm. Maybe he was engaging with the, with the community on Facebook. Who knows? Mm -hmm. um, so just trying to be there at all the different points along this, their journey is, is really important. So we, I don't think we get full credit for it. Yes, from the time that we end up getting 
we we touch them, we are able to kind of track it back. So what percentage of the rubric or the people that have gone through rubric are converting? And yeah, that number is about two times uh, higher than other digital leads. And they have a 17% shorter sales cycle. Yeah. Just going back to what you were saying, I don't, I don't mean to harp on this too much, but I think that the, the people that are listening to this need to realize how much actually goes into when a person go, comes onto your website and they are filling it out four times or whatever, and they, they keep going back or they, they keep having these questions in the back of the mind. Is it actually time? Like, do I really need to be doing this either for myself or for a loved one? I think that type of that conversation that we're just having is so crucial for sales teams to actually know that there is so much that goes into this decision. And so treat every single conversation like it is absolute gold. So don't treat it lightly. Don't, don't take it because it's easy to get into a robotic kind of, I'm, I'm going through the same questions and I'm doing the same tours and I'm doing, and I can, assume I was actually kind of like, I was kind of brain dumping on my notes. I think it was like yesterday. And it was, it was I, I was just thinking really, and I'm going to have a hard time, I guess, framing this, but we take, we take each individual too lightly, if that makes sense. So we take each prospect a little bit, once you get into rhythm and you can kind of take it for granted on assuming like we're quick to assume people's problems and their needs. It's like, I was just thinking about the example. All right. Well, think about a person that is looking for, so you got, sorry, I'm talking in like just complete circles right now. You got person, you got person a looking for memory care for their mom. You got person B looking for memory care for their mom. They could explain the exact same story, the exact same but then that absolute need of like what their true need are need is could be, well, I've been taking care of mom for the past three years and it's really hindered my work. Like I'm really passionate about my work and it's taken away from my, my job. And I really want to get back into, you know, being the adult child again and getting to see my mom and, 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 and getting to have best of both worlds. And then the other person might be like, I, I don't get to spend time with my family as much my my sons my daughters so don't take that that basic need for granted sorry i just jumped into a soapbox here but i think it's just so important to to really dive in deep to these questions and i think that's something that rubric helps helps with good conversations yeah i think to add just a little bit more color because this is something i think a lot about which is the sales director gets to have these conversations all day, every day. Mm -hmm. And they get to see all these situations and they start, they might start to see trends. And just because you've seen it before does not mean that that prospect has seen it before. I promise you they have not seen it before because to them, this is, this is the hardest decision that they will ever make mm -hmm. for you. It's just another day in the office. Don't let that concept bleed over into the conversations because the second you do that, you become apathetic to their situation and you come across as not caring. And so that is, yeah, I think that's something that everybody needs to be reminded no matter the industry, because yeah, I, I talk about decision science all day long and I know that nobody thinks about that uh, outside of us. Um, <clears throat> you might call it uh, 
a good sales process, but we call it decision science. Uh-huh. Yep. <laughs> uh, but I, and again, it comes back to terminology. Yeah. And so they, and to person A and person B may have the same situation. And if they were being in the same room talking about the situation, they may disagree on, no, my situation's worse. And they might, it might create this weird thing, but we've seen a lot of our clients actually sending report. And that happens within families where they're trying to talk about what might be best for them for mom. Hmm. And they're trying to talk about where mom is and what's going on. And they disagree and they just all of a sudden start fighting each other. And then we've had a lot of clients that actually say, Hey, son, would you mind taking this assessment? And mom, would you mind taking this assessment? Share the results with me at the end. We'll talk about the results. They, they make the rubric be the, the bad guy, which is fine. My, my system doesn't have, have uh, feelings. It's, they don't get hurt. But then when they look at their report, they're mostly the same. They both are thinking and saying the same things. Mm. But the difference is they were using different terminology. They were, they were calling one thing, one thing, while the other was calling it different. And they disagreed because they didn't realize that they were using synonyms. Mm-hmm. And so they were fighting on the wrong things, not, all, not ultimately the thing to kind of help move them forward. And so there's, and again, it comes back to the, the terminology, words matter. So how can we get people to all start using the same words to get them on the same page? Um, and I think you're going to see that between families as well as between prospects and salesperson, as well as mom and son or mom and daughter, uh, whoever that may be. So really understand that just because it's what you call it does not mean that's what they call it. Yeah, absolutely. So two things, I think it was really what you're, you're helping out with sales directors in two ways. So one with these questions, they can have better discovery. So you take these questions, they already know what's going on and kind of in the minds of, of the person that's coming into tour now or the, or the person they're gonna to talk to on the phone and they don't have to start over and ask these questions again and kind of find out. Now they can really dive into granular detail about what's really going on, what's really affecting them, what their real problems are. And then you're also, there, there's a big problem out there with timing, right? So it's always like they, they'll tour, they're, they're just looking, they don't know the timing. You're helping solve that problem like by telling them like, hey, now is the time to start looking at assisted living. And now you're taking that kind of out of the sales director's, you know, hand as far as like closing, you know, oh, now it's time or like trying to speed up that problem. They already know it's time because of the questions they've asked. So you kind of help in both ways. You help with the better discovery. If sales directors are smart, they'll use this for a better discovery, which we all know leads to an easier close. You know, if you know the person that's coming into tour, you know their problems, you can address those problems on the tour. Well, they're more likely to move in. So you're spending less time problems. And, you, yeah. and you're spending less time educating. I, I would always say an educated prospect is the best prospect you can have. So, I mean, I, I think about it from, from my perspective. When I'm, when I'm talking with a provider who has never heard of us before, my conversation is very, very different, usually much longer than a prospect that I've talked to kind of knows what we do. They, they get it. And then my that conversation is 100% different. I would imagine it's the same for sales directors that are having these conversations with families where if all of a sudden they had some major life event and now they're like, now we have to start looking into this. We've given it zero thought up until this point. They come in the door and they're like, nope, we've got to find a place for mom. Now we're touring seven, seven communities in the next three weeks. That conversation becomes, guess who's in charge of that conversation? It is 100% the prospect mm-hmm. because- they are, they are just rapidly acting out of, out of need and the salesperson has to pull them back and take its time to say, okay, you are going to be touring these seven communities over the next few months. What do you understand is the differences between them all? 
they don't know because they've never given it any thoughts. Mm-hmm. So they're probably just calling all of the local nursing homes in the area and setting up tours. And so how do we slow them down? Let them, again, maintain control, but still educate them along the way, because that education is really, really important because once they're educated, it becomes a very different conversation. And you can, like you said, Corey, dive it, dive into the specifics and really talk to them about their experience. From what I hear, this, this audience tells their story every day to their physicians, to family members, to friends, to, to the other communities that they're looking at. And now all of a sudden, if you're the community that already has their story and you can say, Hey, listen, you don't need to tell me the story again. I got it. I see it right here. Let's talk about this, this, and this. They're like, Oh, thank God. Yeah. yeah. Be- Let me show you how we can solve those problems. Yes. Right? Let me show you yeah. on the tour exactly how we're going to, th- we're going to solve those problems for you. And then you don't have to spend all that time at the beginning of the conversation, asking those discovery questions that you normally ask yeah. then to finally find out if you have those questions ahead of time and they're filling it out without talking to someone, they're probably more likely to be completely honest too when they're filling this out. And so you get kind of a more insight into what there is that they're actually looking for and how you can actually solve their problem. If you are the person that, or the community that will solve that problem for you. Yeah. So I think it's a great system. It's a great system. It's a great tool. I don't know why anyone out there wouldn't use it. That's for sure. Yeah. Well, mate, Evan, I appreciate the the conversation. I know that we're uh, 20 minutes past, so hopefully you, you didn't have any uh, meetings scheduled at 11. So man, I, I just appreciate your time and uh, it's always a good conversation with you. So if you want to give ways that people can reach out to you, contact you and where they can find you, uh, that'd be great. And we can close it out. Yeah. Uh, you can always add me on LinkedIn. Always happy to have conversations there. If you got specific questions, uh, it's just Evan at rubric. So E V A N at rubric. It is not spelled like a rubrics cube. Um, it is R O O B R I K.com. Um, and you can reach me there as well. So awesome. yeah, I appreciate you having me. Always enjoy the conversations. Yeah. yeah. Enjoyed it, Evan. Thanks so much, man. Appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you.